Father God, we thank you so much so that we can look back, we can read your word, we can even just look back over our lives. The man from the And God's so encouraged by these words. God, you don't just find us and call us in and just leave us there and tell us good luck, see in heaven. Or you take us, you take us on this journey. You walk with us, you lead us. We're so blown away, Lord. We're so blown away. And we thank you so much.
church. How are you today? I'm glad that you decided to be with us this morning. Welcome. Welcome to you, uh, those who are watching online with us. We're glad you chose to be here this morning as well. Uh, and that last song just, there's nothing better than I can do, that we can do, than to just surrender it all, give it all to Jesus. And I just, I love the words of that song. It resonates in my heart this morning. I hope it does yours as well. All right, so a couple of announcements before we get going with the rest of our time together this morning. First of all, Mother's Day is next week, and we're going to be celebrating all of our mothers next week on Sunday. And also, in, uh, in a way to help lower the cost of camp for our students, uh, we're going to put on a Mother's Day photo fundraiser, all right? So uh, bring your mom, and we'll have a, uh, a, a, a booth set up in the back. Uh, where you can uh, take a photo or three or 12 or however many you would like uh, and we're asking for a simple donation to do that uh, and we'll be able to text those to you so the way it works is before service we're going to open that booth up at nine o'clock from nine to nine thirty come and do that and you can do it uh, right after our service time as well for another 30 minutes and then after bible study we'll open it up for another 30 minutes so lots of opportunities for you to come and snap a few photos all right uh, finally, we have uh, on May 16th, we're going to be celebrating our graduates in a Senior Recognition Sunday service. Say that five times fast, and uh, it's going to be a wonderful day. Uh, but what we're asking you to do is uh, bring and gift uh, these wonderful seniors with some life essentials as they head off to their next adventure. And so that looks like, you know, utensils and jumper cables and toilet paper and all those kinds of things. All right. Uh, so we want to invite you to do that. And uh, as we are about to get started, let me pray for us uh, before our pastor comes. Father, we love you so very much. And the cry of our heart this morning really is to give it all to you. We mess up, we fall short, but Jesus, you do not. Your love never fails. And so whatever, uh, whatever we can do to lift your name high this morning, that's what we want to do. There are those of us that need healing in our hearts. There are those of us that need encouragement. There are those of us that need our, our toes stepped on this morning. And God, we want to offer it all to you and let you do your work. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you say toilet paper? I know what I'm getting every senior. I have a mullet. I have a mullet. What? Hold on, let me show you. Two more weeks till my next haircut. I'm not cutting the back either. It's good to see Dolores here. It's about time, Dolores. You've been working here forever. Welcome back. Melinda and Larry, they haven't been back, so as people get shots and feel a little more safe, come on back. We, we love seeing you here and, uh, and all. And uh, I just think Adam and Amber are doing such a good job. Are you guys moving next week? 
Yes, you're moving next week here. This poor family's been traveling four hours every weekend to be together, and, uh, and, and we're just ready to have you move here. And they got a house, so they'll be moving into a new house. So uh, we're glad to have you here. Adam and Amber are doing a great job with our, chil- our, our children's ministry, our students. And, and uh, as you, you'll see them more this month, and, and uh, so be praying for them as they move that everything goes smoothly. I do want to mention one more thing that we started last week, especially for those of you online. Um, uh, if uh, we, we're not doing a bulletin now in the house, but we're doing a virtual bulletin every Friday, you're going to get an email from the church, and that email from the church office, and that email will contain two attachments. One is the prayer list for the church, and the second one is uh, our, our bulletin. And uh, the PDF files, so that means you just have to click on them and you can look at them on your phone and everything. But that has all of the information uh, that's go- of activities going on. And that's the way you'll get most of the information. You can write the office. If you are not getting, if you did not get one this me- week, that means we don't have your email. So if you would contact the office or when we're done here, there's a carpenter, welcome to Carpenter's Way table out there. Um, Karen and my dad will be at that table after. And there's a little card you can fill out with your phone number and your address, your email address, just to make sure we have that accurate information. If you are watching online and you would like to know what's going on at Carpenter's Way, Feel free to email me, mark at cwbc.org, and I'd be glad to take care of that for you. Because we'd like you to be in the know and be praying for people in our church that are struggling. There's also a new ministry about to take place. Um, technology is such a, such a cool thing. It opens the door for other things. And, and one of the things it's opened the door for is a real-time prayer group. And uh, some of you have the gift of prayer. You, you love to pray. And yes, you take the weekly prayer guide, but it's only updated once a week. And you want to know when somebody in our church is having surgery, when they come out of surgery, uh, updates throughout the day, what's going on. And if you would like to be on that list, we need to know from you. Uh, Dolores is putting that list together. Again, you can email us. You can fill out a form at the welcome table and just put on there, add me to the prayer list. You can call the office. But we will would love to put you on that. This will be, is it going to be by text, Dolores, or email? Email. So we'll email you. And, and look, to be truthful, we're, if somebody has surgery on a given day, we'll tell you, we'll, we'll email you out that morning and say, you know, Mark's going into surgery. Mark got out of surgery. Everything's fine. So we'll just keep you updated. Uh, so this is going to be, uh, you'll get, you'll get sec- uh, quite a few emails, but that's because you want to pray for those and we want you to pray for those. So this is an updated uh, this is an updated way to be involved and to be praying for each other. And uh, so if you're interested in those things, we want you involved. And you can do that even if you're online. I know we have some people watching from Louisiana and California. And we had some folks watching from Washington State. So, uh, and we have, we have people who, who watch from Brazil. If you would like to participate in our prayer group, if you'll just email us, uh, you can go to our webpage and all of our email addresses are there. Again, it's mark at cwbc.org and I'll, I'll give it to the right person and we'll put you on there. So, uh, all right, let's get into Acts. Acts 14 today. And the title of this message is such a good one that I want to tell you the title of this morning's message is You Stink, okay? And, and somebody's like, you mean I... I, I, I'm, t- I'm a terrible person, or I, I, I'm what? No, no, you stink. And you're going to understand that as we work through our message today. Uh, in Matthew chapter 6, 31 to 33, during Jesus' ministry, he had a consistent message. And, uh, you know, it, 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 we know the message, we've heard the message, but for some reason in our hearts, 
we haven't owned the message, I think, for many of us. And his message was that you need to put your own priorities, your, only, your own life priorities aside. And in Matthew 6, he said, it, don't worry about the things of life, like what you'll eat or what we drink or what we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your Heavenly Father already knows you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he'll take care of everything you need. You probably know this verse from the King James Bible, uh, those of us who grew up in the church, seek first the kingdom of God. But the New Living Translation says above all else. And I like that because I think it's important that we understand that God isn't saying, <clears throat> don't feed your family, don't go to work. He is saying, or don't be politically active. He is saying that above all else, you need to seek first the kingdom of God. That that has to be our priority when we're doing all this. In other words, um, when, as you provide for your family, if you're, you need to do it in such a way don't rob your clients. As a teacher, don't be hating on your kids, even if they're worthy of hate. And, and when, we, when we react to the government things that are going on, and we've talked about this a lot this last year, and it upset some of us. But when you think about whether or not to wear a mask for the government ask you to, yes, are they infringing on your rights? Probably. But we do. The church has become distracted with a lot of things beside the gospel. The Jewish community and culture had become about a lot of things beside the gospel. Like, for instance, Judaism. They had begun to worship the tradition of Judaism instead of the God of Judaism. And so, when Jesus came on the scene, they rejected him because he wasn't about Judaism. He was about a right relationship with God. And so, while he grew up a young Jew, while he grew up going to the synagogue, while he tried to honor the traditions of Judaism, that wasn't his priority. And because of that, he offended many. And that's why they ended up killing him, because he didn't tell the Jewish line. He was seeking first the work of the Father, the work the Father had sent him to do. This uh, verse that we memorized was a good one in Sunday school, seek first the kingdom of God, and we all amen it, and we agree it, we know it. But I'm not sure a lot of us really live it. Because to live, live seeking first the kingdom of God requires serious personal sacrifice. Requires that we actually give up our personal pursuit of happiness. It requires it. As we continue in our walk through Acts together, I want to remind you that this is a historical book, not a doctrinal one. In other words, while the narratives that we have in Acts, <coughs> excuse me, while the narratives uh, reflect good doctrine, uh, the, unique, the experiences that these folks were having were unique to them. God doesn't promise you and I the exact same experiences. It's very, very important that we understand that because there are denominations of Christendom that say they did this in Acts, therefore I should be able to do that. That's simply not true. This is a narrative story. If that were true, then you should be able to jump out of a boat in the middle of the desert and expect a big fish to swallow you up and spit you up on shore. Just because it happens to Jonah doesn't mean it's going to happen to you. Just because it happens to the disciples doesn't mean it's going to happen to you. 
even if you seek first the kingdom of God. As we continue through our walk through Acts together, I want to remind you that this historical book matters because it shows us what these godly men and women lived, how they lived in the first generation after Jesus left them, physically. Now we know that they had the Holy Spirit within them because of Pentecost. We know that they had had the teachings of Jesus with them. We know that they could pray to the Father and that the Holy Spirit would guide and direct. But please understand, they were in the exact same boat we are, only we never physically seen Jesus. They had. But we're watching these men and women work through trusting God, faithfully serving God, taking the lessons of Jesus' teachings and applying them to their lives, and in the difficulty of that, how they work them out. And there are stories in Acts that, that show them doing it in an awkward way, uh, in wrong ways. But for the most part, they put their trust in him. And it was good, and sometimes terrible. In Acts 14, we find the first official missionary sent out by a predominantly Gentile church in Antioch, that is Paul and Barnabas. And I, I, it's very hard for you to do this, but I want you to remember, I want you to recognize that when we hear the name Paul and Barnabas, those names, especially Paul, we immediately, the hair on the back of our neck goes off and goes, oh, Paul. Please understand that Paul was an elder in the church of Antioch at this point, and he wasn't Paul. The Holy Spirit, in a couple weeks ago message in Acts 12 and 13, told the church of Antioch, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to take Paul and Barnabas and I want you to lay hands on them and I want you to send them out as missionaries. They weren't that special. Paul said, That's who Paul was at this point. He wasn't that guy. He was just a man whose life belonged to the Lord that he had to defend every time he walked into a community. But they were on their first missionary journey. They're continuing their first of, of several journeys through Asia Minor, uh, Minor when they enter Iconium. Iconium was a Roman city in the province of Galatia, and that's where we pick up our story in Acts 14.1. In Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went to the Jewish synagogue and preached with such power that a great number of Jews and Greeks became believers. As I had pointed out last week, when Paul and Barnabas entered an area where there was a community of Hebrews, most of the time they began their ministry in the synagogue. It makes sense because like Jesus, Paul always were interested in knowing God. He didn't go to people who had nothing to do with God. He went to, he wanted to start ministry with people who And he would prove that Jesus was the Messiah that they had been looking for. So he would make his case through the scriptures. The Hebrews who were in the synagogue, especially in these Gentile communion, or communities, certainly were seeking God. Paul and Barnabas went to the Jewish synagogue and they preached with such power that a great number of both Jews and Greeks became believers. So 
I want to make some side notes this morning. We're going to take a couple sidebars because I haven't talked about the supernatural events that happen in Acts uh, very much, but I'm going to talk about them this morning because some things are about to change after Acts 14. First of all, I want you to point out that what was so impactful in the synagogue was not miracles. Very rarely does Paul and Barnabas go into a synagogue and do a miracle. The truth is that they went into the synagogue, they opened the scriptures that everybody agreed on with a powerful word of God, and they made the case for Jesus the Messiah as the Savior. It was the power of the message. It was the Holy Spirit through that message. And this was an awesome season of ministry. It had to be so fun. I mean, it was so, it's so easy. Okay, so think about this. It's easy to give up your selfish ambition when your spiritual emotions are high. It's, it's really easy. When you are at a, uh, I don't know, when you're at a concert and, and they're beating the drums and your heart is, okay, let me try a different one. When you are at a, at a, 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 a Bill Gaither reunion, okay, and those, those people, hour number six, and they are singing about Beulah Land and your defenses are down and you're, you're feeling it. Man, that, at that moment, surrendering your whole life to God is easy. On Sunday morning, after a phenomenal... The words that touch me. Sometimes our worship leaders gift set. Man, to hear the singing this morning just moving. And then we're sitting in the front and we can hear you singing uh, in the back of our neck. And, and it's awesome. It's an awesome thing. If you're distracted in the back, you just need to move up. There's plenty of seats up front. But you can, you can, the, the, it, it moves you. Man, it's so easy for me to be surrendered to God about 10, 10, 10, 15 on Sunday morning. But when things aren't going great, it's hard to forget that I have given up my rights to the king. It's hard for me not to hold on to that. The very same Paul that was experiencing this ministry would write in 2 Corinthians 2.15, our lives are a Christ-life fragrance rising up to God. See, I told you you stunk. See, you have a negative outlook on life and ministry. You stink, and Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. So who smells you? God the Father. We can close in prayer now. No, it's awesome. You know, we honor God. All right. To those who are perishing, we are the fearful smell of death and doom. To those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. Some of the Jews, however, in Acts 14, verse 2. So remember, Paul goes in there with Barnabas, and he goes into the synagogue, and he preaches so boldly that people are getting saved. Some of the Jews, however, spurned God's message and poisoned the minds of the Gentiles against Paul and Barnabas. You see, not all days are wonderful days of ministry. They're just as important. But not all days, not all moments of serving God are equally wonderful. Verse 3 tells us that the apostles stayed there a long time. Why would you stay there when things aren't going great? 
when people are, are, are not happy with your message, when people are beginning to gossip and people are beginning to, to spurn you, as it says, because you're seeking first the kingdom of God. When God calls you to do something, it's not the response that you do it for, although that does hit your flesh. It's obedience. And they stay, even though they had begun to stink to both Jews and Gentiles in this community. They stayed there a long time, preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord. And the Lord proved or endorsed their message was true by giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. Outside of the synagogues, God would often empower these messengers to perform a miracle to show that these were not ordinary messengers. You are familiar with this because that's why Jesus did miracles. Or maybe you aren't. Maybe you're just hearing this for the first time. But Acts tells us that the reason that the Father allowed Jesus to heal the sick, make the blind to see, make the lame to walk, to raise the dead, was not so that the dead would be raised because Lazarus died again. You see, Jesus didn't solve Lazarus' problem by bringing him back from the dead. Lazarus is not with us today. He died again. In fact, I've made the case to you that I think Lazarus is one of the, uh, one of the most mistreated guys in the New Testament because nobody wants to die. It's kind of sad. But when he made the Only Jesus could make the sick, to, uh, the sick well. Only Jesus could do that. And in doing that, people knew that he needed to be listened to. We should listen to this guy's message. Because it isn't the healing of a bad life It is the message of, of redemption and, and the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and accepting that that saves you. It's not being religious. It's not even knowing that God's the healer. It's knowing that God is the Savior. That's what saves you. And if you experience a healing, or I experience a physical healing, just a physical healing, but my soul is not changed like nine of the ten lepers, remember that story? Where ten lepers come to Jesus and ask him to heal them, and he heals them and he tells them to go, go see the priest. And nine of the ten never come back and thank him, but the one who's not a Jew, the Gentile, comes back and falls at his feet, and he redeems that guy's soul. The other nine may not have leprosy anymore, but as far as we know, they spend eternity in hell. Because they wanted a physical healing. They were not seeking first God's kingdom. They were seeking themselves. They were seeking health. This is the danger of modern Christendom. This was the danger of Judaism. Judaism fit their flesh. Christianity will fit your flesh. If you are a middle class person, Christianity, if you are moral, changes people. The Holy Spirit who lives within us is the transforming power. It is not a political action team. And we have to remember that because Satan wants us distracted. So inside of the synagogues, they would make the case through the Old Testament with people who agreed that the Old Testament was biblical truth. Outside of the synagogue, God would give them the ability to do supernatural things like we have here so that the people there... I mean, can you just imagine for a second if we could walk into Woodland Heights and heal everybody in the hospital? You and I all think that if we did that, we could get everybody saved at Woodland Heights because that would affect us, right? But it's not true. In fact, well, let's, let's get back to this text. 
But the people of the town, verse 4 says, were divided in their opinion about them. So just let me take you back in case you're missing what I'm saying. Verse 3 says, and the Lord proved or endorsed their message was true by giving them the power to do miraculous signs of wonder. So they're doing stuff. We don't even know how much stuff they're doing. They're doing a lot of stuff. Signs and wonders. Hmm. How dumb are they? Probably as dumb as the people who come to Jesus after he feeds the 5,000 the day after in John chapter 6. And they come to Jesus and say, hey, give us the miracles too so that we can travel around and do what you're doing. And Jesus says, all my father wants from you is to believe in me. I'll do this. You just believe. And you know what the response was? Well, how do we know we should believe in you? What kind of dumb, confused people are these? You just asked me for supernatural power, and now you're telling me you don't believe in me? That's exactly how the conversation went. And Jesus and they said, You see, getting what you want from God doesn't make you his child. You see, God's command, his constant thing, was that we need to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow him. His call to us is to seek first, above all else, his kingdom. Not our own. Not our comfort. Not, not to make this a safe place for our kids or grandkids to grow up. But to seek the kingdom of God. Above all else. The people in the town were divided in their opinion about them, Paul and Barnabas. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. Then a mob of Jews along with their leaders, decided to attack and stone them. Kind of crazy, isn't it? Even with healings and miracles, the people attack them and try to kill them. What would offend them so much? Well, we know at the beginning of Acts 14, it says, just like before, and then before, Acts 13, 38 and 39, tells us what the message of these apostles are. We are here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sin. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight, something the law of Moses could never, could never do. That was the message of Paul and Barnabas. That's why they wanted to kill them. You see, the problem was the Jewish religious leaders, the Jews themselves, wanted to maintain a tradition of Judaism that lifted up the law as final authority. And Jesus said the purpose of the law was that you could, sh you could realize you can't be saved. With man it's impossible, but with me all things are possible. You see, the problem with Judaism, and I would argue the problem with some versions of Christendom, is that we have made salvation about us. Yes, heaven and hell is an act of God, but everything else working harder when scripture actually says that it is the work of the Holy Spirit through us. This is hugely important. We've even begun uh, the Protestant work ethic. That's a thing historically in our country. It is the statement God helps those who help themselves. It was written by Benjamin Franklin, a deist. And it's a lie. That's not what Scripture says. The Scripture actually says God helps those who desperately seek Him. God helps those who come to Him, who have a broken and contrite spirit. God, God is, uh, God's work and power is made complete in our weakness. And yet, and I think it's kind of gravitated even to modern Christendom, if we work harder, if we get better, if we get better, uh, we're going to get better. And I think when we're done with Acts, we're going to go into Galatians. 
Because we are living in a time when I think we are beginning to identify that the, the body of Christ in this country has added stuff to the gospel. Not bad stuff, just wrong stuff. You and I would all agree that you are not saved by being water baptized. You and I would all agree on a lot of doctrinal things that salvation is an act of God. But you and I would disagree on the fact that the message of the gospel has nothing to do with morality. The message of the gospel is salvation for immoral people. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit comes in and begins to transform you. I remember, and, and we were just talking about this this week, I remember a time, conversations, when you deal with somebody who's living in a state of sin, maybe somebody who's, who's living with somebody they're not married to, and, uh, and the question is, can they come to Christ without moving out? That's a terrible question. Because one is a relationship with God, and one is a relationship with what God wants for us. You see, when you come to God, you know you're a sinner in need of redemption. You know you're broken. You, actually, some of the best Christians I, I know have made some of the biggest mistakes in their life. Why? Because they know how messed up they are. They fall on the grace of God and on the mercy of God. And the problem is a lot of us grew up pretty clean in the church and we think pretty highly of ourselves. We've never committed adultery. We've never killed anybody. Um, I mean, the worst thing we've done is gossiped and maybe eaten too much of the Baptist meal. I mean, the truth is, we think pretty good of ourselves. The problem is, we've gossiped, and we've been gluttons, and we took things into our own hands when we shouldn't. And the truth is, we've lusted, and Jesus said, that's like committing adultery in my standards. And if you've ever hated somebody, which I know none of you have, it's like murder. The problem is, we've, we've elevated some sins to, you've really screwed up, and other sins to, well, that's not that bad. At least I haven't. And the truth is, they're all offensive to God, and that's what makes sin sin. You see, the, the fact remains that God is doing a work in us just like he's doing in them, and, and we've added comfort to Christianity, and there is no comfort outside of God. Not permanent comfort. You can drink yourself into comfort. You can do drugs and feel comfort for an hour or two. But real comfort, as God defines it, is only found by, by seeking Him, seeking His kingdom. And that's why Paul and Barnabas stayed, because they had been so moved by God, they wanted everybody else to know it. That's why the message of the gospel wasn't, we are here to proclaim Judaism, it's that through Jesus there's forgiveness of sin. And by the way, the law can't do that. And as a, as, as a result, the Jewish leadership whose priority was Judaism, wanted to kill him for it. I just want to make it clear that there are Christian leaders today who are more in love with Christianity and political conservativeness than, than they are Jesus Christ. How do I know? Because I know people who have left here when I've said that, and they just say, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Then don't. But there's no difference between choosing, and I am politically conservative. I am a pro-life conservative. But the truth is, I have brothers and sisters in China right now that aren't political at all, walking with Jesus and being persecuted, and they're faithful to the Lord. And if that's where this country goes, the question isn't whether or not I can stop it. The question is whether I'll be faithful in it. And right now, when we don't have to be in that, we have to decide this. We have to decide that we're going to seek God first above all else, no matter what happens next. And in the meantime, yes, run for elective office and, and vote. But there is no excuse for mocking the left 
or the right on Facebook. Making fun of the way they look, that isn't, that isn't seeking God first. You see, okay, back to our text. The message was, through this man Jesus, there's forgiveness for your sin. Everyone who believes in him is made right with God. This message isn't even popular in churches today because it, it removes our self-reliance and even our inalienable right to pursue our own happiness. To seek God's kingdom first means that I put my selfish ambition aside. If you're God's kid, if you've been bought with the price of Christ's blood, then you are not your own any longer and your life before death is as much, it's as his life as much as it is after death. And I know that's not a popular message. Verse 5 of Acts 14, Then a mob of Gentiles and Jews, along with their leaders, decided to attack and stone them. When the apostles learned of it, they fled to the region of Lyconia, to the towns of Lystra and Derbe and the surrounding areas. And there they preached the good news. I think this is a really good time for us to remember John chapter 1, verses 10 to 13. Jesus came into the very world he had created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed and accepted him, he gave them the right to become the children of God because they are reborn not with physical birth resulting in human passion but a birth that comes from God. Paul and Barnabas' ministries began in a synagogue and with the religiously curious but like Jesus they are rejected so they would go to anyone and everyone else who, would ha- who wanted a right relationship with God. When the rocks begin to fly in Iconium, Paul and Barnabas move 18 miles southwest to the next Gentile region of Ly- uh, Lyconia. Just so you know, the more you're like Jesus, the more you're going to be treated like Jesus was treated. The more like Jesus you become, the more you're going to be treated like Jesus. Back to Acts 14, verse 8. When they were in Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth, so he had never walked. He was sitting and listening as Paul preached, looking straight at him. Paul realized that he had the faith to be healed. So Paul called him in a loud voice, stand up. And the man jumped to his feet and started walking. I want to talk about that one line in there because there's a lot of really bad theology in the church about you've got to have the faith. That's it. Because it says right here, he had the faith to be healed. First of all, there are many times in the New Testament that it says that somebody else's faith was enough for them to go to Jesus and ask him to heal their friend. Jesus healed dead people. They didn't have faith to be healed. I mean, the fact remains that even though that teaches and, it, and it, it, it explains why some people are healed and some people aren't, the fact is that that Greek phrase is the same phrase that people were looking at him and wanted what he had to offer. They had faith to believe that Jesus was the Savior. They had faith to believe that. And they're looking at Paul and Barnabas, and what it's describing here is a longing, a longing to experience the power that they're describing. A longing to experience this redemption, this good news. And as he looks at him, Paul calls him, starts walking. Once again, I'd like to make an observation about miracles taking place at this point in Acts. They appear to be happening predominantly among the Gentiles rather than the Jews at this point in church history. Remember earlier in the chapter, it was the power of God in the message as they studied the scriptures that was bringing Jews and some Gentiles in the synagogue to repentance. I believe from this point on, the miracles begin to slow, and I'm going to point out why in just a moment. You would think that this guy, crippled from birth, everybody knows him in this small town. Paul and Barnabas look at him, and they tell him to get up, and for the first time in his whole life, he starts walking, right? 
you would think at that point everybody gets saved. Because that's what we think. We think, I've got an aunt who's rebellious and who doesn't want anything to do with God. They begin to worship Paul and Barnabas. Remember, these are Gentiles, okay? And remember, you from history class, what do the Gentiles, what do the Romans, what do the Greeks study? They are born. So, when Paul does this miracle, what do they think? Now, we look at that. And they're speaking in their own dialect. So Paul and Barnabas don't understand what they're saying. They decide Since he was the chief speaker. They even had the authority line wrong. Now the temple of Zeus was located just outside of town. Wow, now you know why they were waiting for Zeus. Because they were worshippers of Zeus. He made them a lot of money. People came there to worship Zeus. So the priests of the temple and the crowd brought bowls and wreaths of flowers to the town gates and they prepared to offer sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas. Seriously, are you picturing this? These guys gave up their lives to follow Jesus. They are being persecuted. Rocks have been thrown at them. They go. and turn to the living God who made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he permitted the nations to go their own ways, but he never left them without evidence of himself and his goodness. For instance, for instance, he sends you rain and good crops and gives you food and even joyful hearts. All of those things prove that there is a God. Sacrificing to them. Now look, I want to pause. I want to talk at you for a second because I want you to understand how difficult this was. And this is why I started with you stink. Okay? To those who are being saved, you are the life-giving aroma. To those who are dying, you are the smell of death. Why are you the smell of death? Because you remind people that there is a God and they are accountable to Him and they don't want to be accountable to Him so they want to shut you up. Like a... They want to silence them. They want to quiet us. They want to kill us. But I want you to understand that Paul and Barnabas had given up everything. Paul was Saul was a rich Jewish Jew.
to follow Jesus. And so when he goes into this community and they start to this is a real opportunity. Maybe I'll let them worship for a day and tomorrow I'll tell them. You realize that that's probably Yes, they, they tell the gospel, but when people start worshiping them, they find an opportunity to promote them. If you do this or The truth is, this message is not about the Baptist Church or the Assemblies of God Church. It's not about good worship. It's not about good worship. It's almost like the church in our culture has decided that even when you live immorally and you feed your flesh, eventually there's not a fun to keep you happy. So you at some point late at the night, when you find out you're a pastor, 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 you find out you're a pastor. Paul doesn't get mad at these people. He freaks out. Stop it! Stop it! Don't worship us! I'm not sure that a lot of today's famous preachers would have stopped them from worshiping. I think they might have said, oh, you're so silly. Paul and Barnabas rip their clothes. Why? Because it goes against everything that they're preaching. We're just like you. In fact, in some ways, I'm worse than you. I was blah, 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 blah. There was no skinny jeans that day. There was no, hey. It was just Saul, murder of Christians, Jews. Jesus Christ. What do we talk about? What have we been doing this last year? Somehow the, the Christian right got neck deep involved in whether or not coronavirus was real or not. You realize that we hear the same thing. Whether or not it's, it's a violating my It's dumb. But what right? What am I doing? I get an opportunity to tell people about Jesus even wearing a mask. Then the church starts fighting over the vaccine as if it's the mark of the beast. We act like a bunch of idiots. Seriously. We have a message. A message that nobody else, no other religion, nothing else in all of humanity has. You can be made right with God outside of keeping any kind of religious or moral law. His name is Jesus. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the message of the church. And I got news for you. They're going to hate you over that message. If your passion is to be a messenger of the kingdom and not make enemies, you can't even heal the sick. You stink. To those that God is calling to himself, you are the smell of life. Tell me more about your Jesus. But to those who want nothing to do with God, what verse are we in? 14. Let me, let me read through this again. They ripped their clothes. 
They, when they heard what was happening, they tore their clothes in dismay and they ran among the people shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We're merely human beings just like you. We have come to bring you the good news. But you should turn from these worthless things and turn to the living God who made heaven and earth. And he goes on to tell them that they should have already identified that he was around. Verse 19. Just then, when things couldn't get any worse, some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds to their side. You know, they're the ones that were throwing rocks at Paul. And they stoned Paul and they dragged him out of town thinking he was dead. Sign up now to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. But as the believers gathered around him, you know what that looked like. Just think, okay? I know this is the Bible. But everybody thinks he's dead, so they drag him out of town. And all the believers are around him. And they're just looking at him. Bloodied and beaten and bones broken. And they're just looking at him. What now? Our missionary's dead. But as the believers gathered around him, he got up. What does it say? What's it say he did? He went back into town. He didn't run out of town. He didn't go to the hospital. He went back into town. And why did he go back into town? Because he was seeking first the kingdom of God. It's hard. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a very selfish person. I'm struggling with this text just like you are because I'm like, well, what do you want from me, God? You want me to let this country fall without a fight? No, but I want you to be first and foremost most interested in what I'm doing in this country. I don't want you to make up prophecies. I don't want you to scream at sinners. I didn't scream at sinners. I screamed at the religious right. I want you to tell people that they can have a right relationship with me outside of keeping moral law. I want you to tell them about me. Well, they don't want to hear about you. I want you to tell them about me. Well, if you gave me the ability to do miracles, they'll follow. No, they won't. They didn't like my miracle. In fact, that's what they used to accuse me of blasphemy. got up and he went back into town. The next day, he left with Barnabas for Derby. After preaching the good news in Derby and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch of Pisidia. What? He went back to this town? With all the scars from the rocks and the blood. And what did they do there? They strengthened the believers. They encouraged them to continue in their faith, reminding them that they must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Wow. So, so that was the message of Paul to the church? Yes. You must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Wow. So much for living your best life now, huh? Your problem with that theology is it's not biblical. We just sang, I surrender all. We love that song. I actually think that that song that's like 150 years old, Chad made better with that, I surrender, that high part he sings like a girl. I mean, I try to sing it every time, and Anna's like, whoa. 
I mean, it's incredible. I still think, yeah, never mind. We'll talk about that later, Chad. It's amazing, but I haven't even begun to surrender. This is what that looks like. I know we shouldn't, we don't want to make Paul Hermes here or Zeus, but man, people mock me and I leave the room. People stone him and he goes back. That's what it looks like to seek first the kingdom. I'm sorry. I don't like it any more than you do, but it is our task. And America's in a weird place. The United States is in a weird place. It's great to be in Texas, isn't it? But we got Austin. <laughs> and it's growing. And our state may maybe someday will go a different political way. And forgive me if you are uh, if you're a Democrat. We got lots of you in the church. Just for a few minutes, let me talk to my brothers and sisters who are struggling. But even if the United States goes socialist or communist, I want you to know that Christianity will thrive because it thrives under the power of the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that resurrected Jesus Christ. We not only will not lose, we cannot lose. But we may lose our lives. We might. And if we don't lose our lives physically, we should certainly lose our lives emotionally by seeking first the kingdom of God. That really hit me this week. What, what did he tell them when he went back to Lystra where he had been beaten by stones? He reminded them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Verse 23, Paul and Barnabas appointed leaders in every, or elders in every church with prayer and fasting. They turned the elders over to the care of the Lord in whom they had put their trust. And why would they do this? Because gathering is important. My friends who are watching online, I'm going to make an exception. I know some of you are concerned physically and I, I get that. But you've got to gather with other believers because the world is going to get weirder and you need to be reminded that our God is just as consistent as he has ever been and we do that by looking in each other's eyes. We need to hug each other. If you've been vaccinated, we need to shake each other's hands. We need to say, I had a bad week. This week I fell. This week I struggled with sin. This week was great. I got to tell three people about Jesus. Whatever's going on, we need to look at each other and tell each other that it is well with our souls because of God. We need to do this until the Lord returns or until we go to be with him. So whether you're watching in Louisiana or East Texas, as soon as you can, you've got to gather with believers. It's very, very important. It was important to Paul. He could have told them just to live in their house, be quiet, and wait till the Lord comes for them, but he didn't. He set up elders to lead them and, and to care for them. Verse 24, when they traveled back through Pisidia and Pamphylia, they preached the word in Perga and went down to Italia. Finally, they returned by ship to Antioch of Syria where their journey had begun. The believers there had entrusted them to the grace of God to do the work that they had now completed. Upon arriving in Antioch, they called the church together and reported everything that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles too. And they stayed there with the believers for a long time. Why would they go back to Antioch and stay for a long time? It doesn't say that they actually ministered there. It says that they stayed there for a long time. We know that Paul ministered and Barnabas ministered, but that's not why they were back in Antioch. They were back in Antioch for the same reason that Kevin and Pam come back every time they come back from Brazil, because this is their home church. That was their home. That's what we do. We do life together. And sometimes we get mad at each other and sometimes we fight, but one of the most effective tools by Satan in this community is everybody's exchange and everybody's mess. We've got to commit to each other. We've got we to wrestle through doctrine. And if you disagree with what I have to say about politics, man, my office is always open. Some of you are called to politics. 
Some of you are called to stand up for culture and pro-life. But you've got to do it second to seeking the kingdom of God. That means if you stand outside of a, uh, a, a, an abortion clinic and you scream at the doctors if they go in, what are you doing? You're not going to change anybody's mind. You're just screaming. How about praying for the doctors? They need Jesus too. We need Jesus. America doesn't need Trump back. They need Jesus, my friends. Not the Jesus of the modern church, the Jesus of the scriptures. They need to bow the knee, and you know that. And what is our role in all of this? We, we see Paul and Barnabas' role in that culture. What is our role in East Texas? 1 Peter 2.9 is directed towards believers. You are chosen people. You are a kingdom of priests. You know, I was going to read the whole thing there, but I'm not going to because I think that is the answer. You are a priest in the kingdom of God with all of the responsibilities in that. So go tell people about your God. You're a priest. That's your role. You're the temple. Those people that drive you nuts at Walmart, that person that cut you off and you rolled down your window and you went, Jesus loves you, jerk. <laughs> that cop that dares to pull you over because you were speeding in his area. The city that told me that my value of my house, which hasn't been worked on in a year, went up $30,000. <coughs> How did my house go up $30,000 this year? I mowed the lawn. I'm going to go to the city office or Julia's because I'll be mad. And we're going to talk about it and I'm going to get $5 off of it. But when I walk in, I've got to remember that to seek first the kingdom because the most important thing isn't that I don't pay more in taxes, but that they know that Jesus Christ loves them even if they are crooked tax people. <laughs> this, is, this is really hard, isn't it? Because it's our country. No, it's not. We were adopted out of it. We're aliens and strangers here. It's not our country. It's not our country. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And our job here is to be aliens and strangers and ambassadors for our king. Even if they overtax you. Let's close in prayer. We love you, Lord, and we want, I, I know these people, we want to seek first your kingdom, but it's so hard, so hard. Thank you for the historical book that's such a good example of what that looks like. I have no idea why Saul, after being stoned to death, would go back in that town. Everybody thought he was dead. Actually, I do know why. Because he loved those people that stoned him more than he loved his own life. He was so under the control of the Holy Spirit that he acted like you. Why would you lead the disciples into that garden where you knew they were going to arrest you because you loved them more than you loved your life? So may we love your message and you more than we love our lives here in America. Help us balance out seeking first the kingdom of God while taking care of our families, while being good employees, by being good taxpayers, by being good citizens. 
But may none of those other things ever take the place of seeking first God's kingdom. And by doing that, may you remind us, Lord, that we are going to smell to those being saved and who want to know forgiveness, we are going to smell like life, but to those dying, we will offend them. And there's nothing we can do about that. So help us honor you with our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a wonderful Sunday afternoon, everybody. Bible study is going to start in five or ten minutes. If you'd like to talk, I'll be up here. Uh, and if you have not been getting the email, make sure you sign them on the floor. Majesty, let all the earth rejoice.